Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. It's Saturday, April the 1st, 2023, and you are listening to episode 64. And I have once again stumbled upon a number that no player in NBA history has worn, according to my friends over at basketballreference.com. So I'm just going to throw a random name out there for this episode. Uh, the Juancho Hernan Gomez. How about him? Because Just because I, I recently watched Hustle uh, for the first time with my wife. Great movie. Uh, took me long enough to finally watch it. Thank you, Netflix. But this is the Walder Sportscast, of course. My name is Chris Walder. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. Probably minus a checkmark now, if everything held up with Elon Musk's threat, um, that verified accounts, legacy accounts, were going to be losing their status. So... Maybe it's not there anymore. Who knows? You can check me out there just to verify. And while you're here, leave a rating and review because it helps me out a ton, helps more and more people find the podcast. So on today's show, we have a returning guest making his third appearance on the Walder Sportscast, an all-time good guy in sports media here in the city of Toronto and the host of the number one Toronto Raptors podcast in the world today. You may think Canada, but it's the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's William Liu, the host of the Raptors show alongside Alex Wong on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and formerly of Yahoo Sports Canada, The Score, Raptors Republic. He's been around that uh, William Liu. (laughs) We last talked on the podcast in May of 2021 and his entire career path drastically shifted since that time, obviously taking his talents to Sportsnet and suffice it to say... A very smart move. He's blowing up. It's truly one of the biggest Raptors personalities out there. Really excited to catch up with him and pick his brain on some life and some basketball, of course. But as a cheap plug for my last podcast, Karina Mustafa of Homestand Sports and a number of different outlets as well, check her LinkedIn, joined me on my last show. Really good stuff from her diving into what will hopefully be a new franchise coming to the city of Toronto with the WNBA. Hopefully, anyway. Nothing concrete as of yet, but we do have that exhibition game coming up at Scotiabank Arena. Sold extremely well. A fun interview with Karina, who was uh, on for her second time. So follow her on Twitter, at Karina Double M. But now, what you're all here for, unless you also like me, which I hope you do, Will Lou joins me after this quick break. So keep it host of the Raptors show with Will Liu on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, which you can listen to Monday through Fridays from 2 to 3 p.m. Follow him on Twitter at William underscore Liu. Will, buddy, thanks for joining me today. And you've done your own show roughly two hours ago, and and now you're jumping on with me before tonight's game. I I guess the grind never stops for you, my friend. What's up, Walter, man? Any time for you, you know that. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, is it a grind? Can we be honest? Like, is it a grind? Like, I I hop on the radio... And I, t- and I talk for an hour, and then I go home, and I'll watch the basketball game, and I'll talk for half an hour. I'll probably write for an hour. That's not a grind. Compared to real humans, like, this is this is, this is is vacation. So, no, it's all good, man. How you doing? I feel, like you, I feel like you must chug, like, a ton of water. Like, your fluid intake must be very high to keep the vocal cords fresh. I'm not going to lie to you. So, this is what I have. Um, so, I, I'm in the Rogers office right now. Took one of the one million meeting rooms I have in here. And I have three beverages before me. I have a coffee. I have uh, one of these naked smoothies. So it has like uh, kale and apple and kiwi. So it's like one of those green smoothies. And then I have uh, some water. So I have three uh, forms of uh, liquid intake as we prepare for this grind. So maybe it is a grind if, if I'm if I'm treating this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to beverage? Because we were talking uh, right before recording here, and I said that, and you knew this from my days at the score. I was a big yep. ice cap guy. What's your mm. go-to beverage? What, what what keeps you going in the morning? If I'm if I'm well, something in the morning. I'm obviously a double espresso, you know, at home kind of guy. First thing in the morning. Um, I have this weird thing ever since the pandemic started, where you know, I always made my made fun of my parents for this. They were always big on drinking boiled water. 
I think for what? them, they kind of liked warm water. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing added to it. Sometimes, obviously, they'll have tea because obviously we're Chinese, but like, it, it'll just be like boiled water. Um, and they'll usually drink it like hot or lukewarm. Uh, I prefer to not drink hot water, but what I will do is I will boil the water and then just let the kettle sit for an hour or two hours. It'll come down to room temp, and then I'll drink that. I don't know why, but it changes the taste Jeez. of it. If, if the water feels smoother than if you drink it out of the tap or out of a Brita. So that's my go-to drink, boiled water. You're blowing my mind right now, Will. The yeah, boiling yeah, yeah. water uh, scenario. Uh, I've never even thought about it before, but shout out to your parents. Uh, really uh, bringing their A-game with the boiling water. Now I have to try that because I do a lot of talking myself. And uh, like yourself, you know, coming off your show just a couple of hours ago. And even we're recording this on a Friday, a few days after you and uh, your part, your uh your co-host Alex Wong had that live show. Nah, he's basically my partner at this point, bro. He's basically your partner. <laughs> yeah, I see I him so much. I was trying to avoid it there, I, you know, a Freudian slip, nah, if you will. But uh, yeah, me and no, my partner went out for dinner last it. night. <laughs> yeah, oh, we went to dinner last night. We actually went to two restaurants, so it, you know, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> actually, now that you bring it up, because I saw mm. you were at the uh, the opening of the NBA courtside restaurant in Toronto. Yeah. How was that experience for you? Uh, it was cool. I wasn't really sure what it was, but they offered free food, so you know I was going. Um, and yeah, no, I was I was pretty pleasantly surprised. Like they have a lot of decorations across the board. Like it's definitely a place that you can definitely take an Instagram photo first and foremost. A few of those. There's even a photo booth in the corner. Um, but they actually did a really good job of incorporating a lot of like basketball history into it. Like they had the Larry O'Brien Trophy there, so that was cool. The actual Larry O'Brien Trophy. Oh yeah, I've the, seen it, photos it, of it. It comes with a a handler, so someone's just standing around with gloves on right beside it. And I don't know if that's to avoid fingerprints for choking on anybody who comes anywhere close <laughs> to that trophy, or if it's just to handle the trophy. I don't know. Probably that. But either one. Uh, the, the, literally, the trophy has a bodyguard. And so there's that. And then, of course, there's, like, old-timey televisions. And there's, like, posters of, like, the first ever professional NBA game, which obviously took place in Toronto. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool history there. And uh, and then the rest of it, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a sports pub, really. Uh, but it's right by the water. Next time you're in the in the city for summertime, and maybe you roll through and, and watch watch some basketball there. Heck yeah, it looks like a beautiful restaurant. I also saw that they had a, a cake version of the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Did you have a bite of that, Will? No, I didn't. I was uh, saving my 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 appetite for the for the next <laughs> event I was going to that night. But no, it, it looked cool. It for sure, it looks cool. Yeah. Well, you're a busy man, Will, and again, uh, like I was just mentioning earlier, you had uh, Toronto Raptors GM Bobby Webster for that live show you were doing at the Axis Club. Another mm. great turnout because I was seeing a lot of uh, Instagram reels from fans who attended the show. For those who couldn't attend, like myself, unfortunately, it looked like a really fun time for Raptors fans. How was it for you, Will? Uh, admittedly, leading up to it, pretty nervous. and or Not just nervous, but just like there's a lot of logistics that goes into this, right? Like one, you know, not to like go like, reference a 2010 meme but like one does not simply you know book bobby webster like it's like <laughs> it's like a whole process of like okay and then we reach out to people and then people reach out to the pr staff and the pr staff gets back to us and got to hammer all these details and then all of a sudden it's like okay what if i just walk up to bobby one day at the arena and just say like hey this is the idea and i did that and I was like, okay, we got Bobby. And then it was like, can we get the venue? And, you know, what are we going to price the tickets at? And sort of how do we sell this thing? And, and it's a whole process, really. And then, of course, get the venue there and the drinks and the food. It was a whole thing. But I think all that work, you know, leading up to it, which is, I think, pretty typical of putting on any event, once we got into the event and, you know, we got Bobby in the building and we got all the fans in the building, um, it was just a really good vibe, man. And I always forget that, like, you know, so much work goes into it and you're thinking about this thing so much. Once you're actually able to, like, settle in and um, have everyone there and, you know, admittedly, they're obviously just most of them are fans of the show or and they're definitely all fans of the Raptors. Like, it's mm -hmm. a very familiar group. Lots of people are talking to each other. You see your communities meet. And then, of course, Bobby comes in and, look, our agreement was um, – Bob was going to speak to us for 30 minutes, right? And the whole idea was we were going to raise funds towards his scholarship fund, uh, yes. which we were able to talk about. And that was actually very cool. Um, but you never know, right? Bobby's a busy guy, especially right now, this time of year for GMs, this is like scouting season. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was sort of just like flying around and going to different games. Like, you know, like the McDonald's All-American game was like the night before, you know, stuff like that, right? So mm -hmm. um, my point is we expected Bobby for 30 minutes, but... Uh, he stuck around for like two and a half hours, and he was there having a great time meeting people, very generous, taking photos, and um, 
it was a great time. And of course, there was a Q&A portion where we were talking to Bobby. And I think with Bobby, his reputation is like, you know, he's, he's a little buttoned down, right? I wouldn't say he's as quotable right. as Masai. Um, so we were able to sort of like poke fun at that. In fact, we actually had a whole segment where we coached Bobby on how to, you know, have better PR essentially, which I think he was actually slightly offended by, but that's all good. Um, but then we also asked him more serious stuff like, you know, why did you add Jakoperto to the deadline instead of trading away your pieces to go the other way, right? Or like take us through the Kawhi trade and the details of that. And I have to say, I wasn't expecting much. My expectations were quite low, but he, he was pretty open with everything. So the only unfortunate thing is uh, we were not allowed to record it um, strictly. Uh. So, of course, I can't stop any of the fans from doing it. Obviously, there's nothing to, to be done about that, nor would I do anything about that. But, uh, yeah, there is no transcript or recording. I've, I've been asked quite a few times by people, like, where can I listen to this whole thing? And I'm just like, you have to be there. It's one of those things you really did have to be there, you know? <laughs> well, since you couldn't record the show and no one who didn't attend could really catch up on it, were there any revealing takes or stories from Bobby that you weren't aware of before which kind of caught you off guard? Because I did see it circulating that he once beat Simu Liu in a basketball game or something along yeah. those lines. Well, okay, so the backstory of that one was um, um, Simu was in a, the, uh, the celebrity game for this year, right? I don't know if that was the first or the second time he's done it, but Simu is a really big basketball fan. Like, I actually remember even um, before he made it, like, super famous on Marvel, uh, he was still pretty well known on Kim's Convenience. Like, I was definitely watching the show when it was on. And he came to a Raptors Republic, like, three-on-three tournament, and he just, like, asked to be on Blake's team. And so I actually, you know, played against Simu back in, like, 2017 and stuff. Again, before he was, like, you know, Marvel famous. Um, but yeah, so now he's in the celebrity game, um, but he's taking that same approach. Like he's working really hard on it. So from my understanding, like he went through this whole training regimen. I think like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. This is not like sources or whatever, but it's like even Rico <laughs> Hines and some of the guys like in the Raptors trained him a little bit and went through like workouts with them and everything. So they were at OVO doing all this stuff. Um, and of course that's like right outside of where Bobby's office is in, in, in the practice facility. And, and Bobby right. for, uh, this is again, one of those sources things. It's just like this part of his morning workouts like he obviously he he uses the gym there and he works out and it's part of his whole thing but he also gets shots up and he's a very very good shooter like genuinely very good shooter um so it just so happened that uh Simu was there and then Bobby was right outside he's like why don't we play it was a very normal thing so they started playing (laughs) each other and look this is not because we had Bobby for the event but like man he's so much better than Simu it's not Sibu's a guy who, like, loves basketball and wants to play basketball, and Bobby's a guy who did play basketball, so, mm-hmm. or who does play basketball, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, but, I, again, like, so we got some footage of that, um, originally, you know, yeah, it was just sort of, like, part of the promotional videos, I think, yeah, you know, you know how life is nowadays, like, for, for these kind of people, like, there's, there's, everything is content, um, but, I don't think they intended to release it, but we kind of knew some people and we talked to them and we're like, hey, Bobby's here and we want to like surprise him and sort of put him at ease. And so uh, we showed some of the clips and um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I got to say, having watched the whole five minute reel, I, I don't know, man, it was uh, it just, you remember Raptors Nets in the bubble? Like it was like that. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Simu was uh, Chris Chioza, but. Um, <laughs> There's a name you know. drop. Sorry, well, that's just my ha- coffee. That's coffee. Yeah, I was about to say you're, you're slurping away there, Will. Uh, good for the microphone. <laughs> it's all good, buddy. Though, no, look, you're going full Nardwire. You're bringing up these clips, and you you put Bobby Webster's mind at ease. It looked mm-hmm. like you guys were having a really good time, and I'm sorry I couldn't make it out. Being out here in no, Lindsay, Ontario, good, making the drive to Toronto isn't as uh, easy as it used to be when I was uh, living out in Scarborough, my friend. Yo, trust me. I wish we recorded the whole thing. We were able to release it. Um, not just because I think a lot of people would have been interesting, but I thought even just for my own vanity, like I, it was just cool that like all these people were here and there was a lot of love for everything, you know? So, but yeah, Bobby was great. He was honestly, he like, it was the most open I've seen him. And it, I think he's always been nice to, to me uh, for what reason I don't really know. I think it's just because we're both Asian. And so he, he used to just always dap me up, but I had nothing to say to him. I always got very nervous about the whole thing. Cause again, it's like one of those guys like, look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan pretending to be a journalist at the end of the day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's the GM over there. And he just wants to say hi all the time. And then mm-hmm. now we actually have this long conversation. It's definitely the longest conversation we had. And uh, he was pretty open with everything. So the only thing he wouldn't say anything about, we did press him about Kevin Durant. Right. And he was just like, no. 
no, sorry, nothing. I can't say anything. <laughs> and I was like, how much money can we raise for your school to see your phone for five minutes? And he said, there's not enough money in the world. So I guess that's really? I guess that is what it is. Well, you, you, you try to get it out of him. A for effort, uh, Will oh. Lou. You almost did, but uh, Bobby Webster lips are sealed when it comes to Kevin Durant. But uh, again, really, again, I'm so happy for the turnout and all of the support you've been getting from Toronto Raptors fans uh, in the basketball community, coming out to your shows and whatnot. I'm actually surprised that you said that, you know, you're getting nervous around Bobby Webster saying that you're like a fan masquerading as a journalist. You've been doing this. For so long, Will, have there been other instances in your young career where maybe you were, were trying to approach a player or someone in upper management where you, you kind of got cold feet just because the fan in you was taking over? Uh, I mean, it used to happen a lot more. I think I got more comfortable talking to players and stuff like that. Um, that that part is actually fairly easy. And I think the way I got over that one was like, like you know what I mean? Like One day I was like sitting and I was like, I was going, man, I'm going to interview Fred. Uh, actually, no, it was, uh, it was Utah, actually. I was like sitting down with Utah. And I was like, man, I'm going to prepare all this kind of stuff. And I was like, hold on. This guy is 20 years old. This guy's an immigrant. This guy likes basketball. We can get along in real life. So why, don't we, why, why am I making such a big deal out of this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, thousands of people are going to see this. But, like, I, again, like, I'm just thinking about it more as, like, taking them out of the idea of the, of the person uh, and, and seeing them as the person themselves and seeing another person sitting across from me and just trying to approach it in that way. So... From the player's perspective, that's gotten a lot easier because we're mostly very close in age. Um, with the executives and stuff, I mean, it's always nerve-wracking to talk to Masai. I've talked to Masai a couple times. Like, you know, usually it's like a, a scrum of reporters all hanging around, just trying to pretend to sort of, you know, uh, shoot the crap. And then eventually someone asks for like, you know, hey, give me some details on this. Uh, and then like maybe he'll <laughs> dish it, maybe he won't. Um, so I've kind of tried to do that a little bit, mostly just sort of like trying to fit in. In a one-on-one -on -one setting, I got really nervous trying to talk to Zach Lowe. We were actually sitting next to each other really? um, at the NBA Finals. And it was at Oracle, and it was just like in the media room. People were just eating. Maybe it was, I don't even know, I think it was like a practice or something. And I was like sitting down there with my headphones on, and then Zach Lowe came to sit down beside me. And at first he was sitting down talking to this other guy beside him, but that guy left in like five minutes. And I was like at a point where I was just like eating there. My food is almost done. But I stopped, I started eating slower and slower just to sort of like not be awkward. I just could maintain like my 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 low key presence. But in my inner monologue was like, holy, like that's act. Like I'm like, you know, I really want to say thank you. He followed me from a, a long, long time ago, and you know, he shouted me out a couple of times. And I'm just like, more importantly, I'm just like, yo, like there's so much that you do that I I've really admired, and to be honest, I've copied, and like it's 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 really cool to be here. And there was like 10 minutes there where I'm just like, say something to this guy. And I just didn't. <laughs> and then he finished his food and left. So, I mean, whatever. I saw I saw Zach earlier this season. He comes to Toronto once a year. So he came to Toronto. And he said hi to me. But, uh, yeah, at that time, it was definitely very, very awkward. Well, with all humility, of course, I mean, you are almost at this stage right now where young journalists in Toronto who are up and coming in the basketball game may look at you as like their no. Zach Lowe, you know? They get cold feet around you at Raptors games, Will. No, I, 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 I really hope not because uh, I'm very approachable and very much just a regular human being, um, you know? So mm -hmm. if, if if people want to come up, I, absolutely. And, you know, um, but that's very nice of you to say, man. I appreciate that. Well, humble to a fault as always, Will, and we love you for it. And I, I feel like in general, it's a really good time to be Will Lou. Obviously, you have the success of the Raptors show. You're co-hosting it with a good friend. You're still covering your favorite basketball team since you were a kid. You have to, like, like we said earlier, you have a ton of people coming out to these live events. Is this the most fulfilled you've ever been professionally, Will? I mean, yeah, I have to say it has to be, right? I mean, like, you know... I, I, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I don't mind getting into old details, but I, I think that um, I have a really good position right now where I have, like, so much creative freedom. Um, I think for people who, like, listen to the Raptors show, first off, the name is, like, very straightforward. It's like, okay, you're going to listen to something about the Raptors, right? And then, um, of course, like, we will cover every single bit of Raptors news that comes out and always trying to think of ways to enrich the coverage and, you know, whether that's, like, exclusive interviews or um, insights or talking to journalists or, um, you know, even more and more like finding more in terms of sourcing and, and bringing like inside information as well. But I, th I think for me too, it's just like, we have such creative freedom. Like we can just go on and talk about anything. And, and it's not like, 
we just disrespect the, the audience. I think it's just like that ability that the, our employers give us, uh, but also that uh, freedom that and that permission that our fans and listeners give us to sort of like be ourselves and sort of be natural on the microphone as if it wasn't there. Um, that I think is just like a secret ingredient to everything. And like, that's a very rare thing to have um, in any sort of business, but especially in like entertainment. And like, I mean, look, we're gonna be honest about it. Like, I think we sound very unique, even as compared to any other Sportsnet yes. program. You said you said yes too quickly, so uh, I might have to ask you why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean in general. Look, I I even told you this before the podcast. I mean the way that your your rapport is with Alex Wong on the radio, it's just like two guys at a bar talking about basketball, talking about fun things that like appeal to my generation, and that's why even like obviously I'm a little bit biased because I used to work with you and I know you a little bit more than some other people. But at the same time, I get like just, I hear your enthusiasm, I hear your passion about Raptors basketball, and some other. With all due respect to other radio shows that I've listened to in the past and podcasts, it can be very generic, it can be very by the book, very textbook. But with you and Alex, it's just a fun time, and I respect the hell out of you both for that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, man. And again, I, I think it's just. It's not to say it wasn't earned. Like obviously, like over time, it's sort of built up, and I, I think that um, you know, if we if we didn't have people's trust, and if we didn't sort of like do the news aspect as well, and and um, do the insight aspect as well, that like, we wouldn't be able to build the audience in the first place. But yeah, I just want to appreciate that it's rare, right? So like, yeah, professionally, I'm the most fulfilled I have been. But I think there's also, I think it's one of those industries where um, if you get the chance, and you're one of the very lucky few who get you know, that permission, I think you owe it to yourself to keep exploring and keep being ambitious and sort of finding other ways to sort of enhance the content. And so um, whether that's this show or anything else I'm trying to do, like, um, you know, I, I think there is that like very much like a drive in me to, to sort of like evolve it regardless of sort of like where it's currently at and standing. Would the William Liu of maybe two or three years ago have ever foreseen yourself being in radio, doing a show like this, or is that just how sports media is, like continuously challenging yourself and finding bigger opportunities out there? I mean, yes, I know. I think people get to spots and they're comfortable. Like, I think that, but again, it depends on how much of the world you see, right? The more of it you see, the more that you get a perspective of where you are. Um, and I think for me, like walking the door, you know, I was like shaking hands with the program director and I was like, you know, I'm looking at this, like I'm trying to make this my, my whole career, right? And I'm trying to like, before I was like doing things, but I also knew there was more out there. And I was like, this is like the pinnacle. And not to say that it's no longer the pinnacle, but I'm just like, okay, now that I've gotten here and I've seen what it is, there are other things. And that's not to say that, I'm, you know, I'm breaking news on this podcast and I'm doing other things. I'm just like, there are more ideas out there to sort of be explored. And so I think that that really just helps drive the show forward more than anything else. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 a it's a, it's a really cool time. Like, again, like I realize that most people don't get this chance. Um, but, uh, as compared to two years ago, I, I do feel like, you know, my horizon and perspective on this whole situation has broadened. Well, there's, there's a couple of people I want you to give me your thoughts on, Will. Um, one of okay. which was one of which was actually my last guest on the Walder Sportscast, uh, Blake Murphy, uh, fellow yeah. Sportsnet 590 host, and of course, uh, your current co-host, uh, who you jokingly said earlier that you have a partnership with, uh, Mr. Alex Wong. And you can be yeah. as short, as long-winded as you want, of course, but those two have been connected to you in your media career for a very long time, obviously great friends of yours. Talk to me about the influence that those two have had on you, Will, and how they've kind of been a part of your overall story here in sports media. I mean, okay, I'll start with Blake, because I, I met Blake first. Um, I think Blake was like, locally in Toronto, was like the way I was looking at Blake was the way I was looking at Zach Lowe at the start of this, right? When I was trying to break in and was in our early 20s, and I'm looking at it, and I was like, yo, this guy, first off, he does everything, but he's so good at the Raptors, and he, he he's he's already, like, so many steps ahead of everybody, and, you know, that was, uh, for anybody who's reading Raptors Republic at that time, everyone knew who Blake was, he, he really brought so many things to that, I mean, all the stuff I'm talking about now, of, like, bringing reports, you know, like, bringing, like, reporting aspect, bringing the analytics aspect, bringing the video aspect, bringing the you know, sourcing aspect, like, I mean, not to, you know, not to just, like, gas up, like, that much, but, like, <laughs> when the Raptors signed Fred Van Vliet for the first time, 
right? When they signed him for the first time, when he first joined the organization, it was Blake Murphy who broke that news. Not Shams, not Woj, not anybody else here locally. It was Blake. And that was back in 2017, and he, or 2016, and he was just still starting out at that time. So the fact that he already had that much progress, it was so impressive to me. But I think what was even more impressive was just like, he was a really good dude, man. He always has been. Very generous. I remember begging Blake, like, before I did anything, I was like, yo, can I please write for Raptors Republic, and how can I do it? And he's like, yeah, you know what, just send me a submission. This is like August, right? No one was thinking about the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And it was like the Raptors were coming off that, like, I don't know, 34-win season in 2013. And they were like, yeah, he, Blake's like, whatever, man. You want to send me a piece? Go ahead. So I, I sent him this, like, 3,000-word story on Andre Drummond versus Jonas Valanciunas with, like, tons of graphs. And it was, like, a horrible piece when I think back on it. Like, I was like, man, who's reading this? And, you know, he was nice enough to edit it and, and sort of put it through. And, and, and from that, I was able to sort of, like, really start my career. Also, I mean, when I was working – because I had been blogging for Raptors Republic for a while, when an opportunity came up at the score where Blake was working, Blake let me know, and I was like, Blake, I don't have any references in this industry. Can you be my reference? And he wrote me a very glowing reference. He actually handed in my resume. And so you know, a bit of like uh, favoritism that favor- that factors in here. But that's just he's just been such a good dude about this whole thing. And, of course, there's a big mentorship aspect as well. But, you know, we did a podcast over there for a long time. I mean, like every Blake Murphy Tuesday you hear now, like we used to do Raptors show, uh, the um, Raptors Weekly Extra all the time. Mm-hmm. And I used to just like go to his little tiny apartment in Liberty Village where he no longer lives. But I, I used to just like go to his tiny little apartment and he had like his shoes in his bedroom, which was always very nasty to me. I'm sorry, Blake, but that's this just gross behavior. I don't care how small your place was. Um, and like, yeah, we would blog and, and, and talk about things and obviously we would do the show, but just a great dude. Um, so I've always been rooting for Blake. And by the way, you see Blake now? He's Now he's doing play, uh, he's doing color commentary on the radio. For the Blue Jays, like this guy's just so talented. You, so, you said play there for a second. I was like, are you saying Blake Murphy's doing Playboy? Like, are you really about to, oh, to drop that uh, bombshell on us, Will? No, I, I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to see that. No offense, Blake. <laughs> Love you, Blake, but uh, yeah, not uh, no. He got yeah, cool tattoos. Congratulations but... to Blake. Yeah, he, he's got he's inked up. Yeah, he's got some really solid tattoos. Congratulations to him on his uh, recent announcement uh, doing yeah. some play by play and color commentary. A big news for him. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited for him. But uh, no, I mean, he's also just a super hard worker. Again, like if anyone wants to like just break into this thing and really get to the top, like just copy everything Blake's ever done. And and honestly, if you're interested in that, just DM Blake. He's also such a generous guy when it comes to like helping journalists and helping young aspiring sports writers. And I'm sure like I don't know, man. Maybe one in ten of you guys will like quote unquote make it or anything like that. But like he is going to help you regardless. So there's that. And then with Alex, I mean. Obviously, that's another guy who I, again, before I joined this business, like I was like reading his stuff all the time. And it was, I think it was so interesting to see that he approached it in a way that was unique from other guys. Like most people come into this thing and they, they, they try to like write game stories and they try to do sort of what's expected. And Alex came at it from a different perspective. He came at it like with his curiosity, right? And that was sort of the non-negotiable in his uh, approach, like. He's going to be curious, so he's going to write about all these players and uh, you know, and this phenomenon in the league where everyone's like watching like Game of Thrones at that time, right? Let's just say you know that kind of story, or like you know, for GQ, he was like following Chandler Parsons uh, during mm-hmm. his free agency period and detailing like him at the club with Mark Cuban, or like I don't know, man. He told me the behind the scenes of that one where he's like, yeah, I went up to t- Ch- uh, Ch- Chandler Parsons's. Uh, apartment and I got there and he was just in his boxers and there was like supermodels there <laughs> you know what I mean like like I think there was just like such a like of a, a uniqueness not his voice necessarily that was coming through in the print but his interest and in sort of the things that he wrote about and um that was always cool and I met him you know all right regular dude but like still uh, <laughs> it was just cool that like we were able to sort of build a friendship and then I think the rapport and all the other aspect I think more than anything else where that comes from is just like he's a really good like um I, I see him like an older brother type, you know what I mean? Like, he's really got things handled. He really helps me give perspective on a lot of things. Uh, but more than anything else, he's, he's down for a good time. He he's, he's thinks about it differently. And I think what he brings in, in all the stuff that we've done together, but especially it comes through now in the Raptor show where he's, like, officially producer, is, like, 
I can if it was just me doing the Raptor show, it'd be much more dry. I promise, it'd be dry. <laughs> it, it, I mean, like it'll sound like the React Pod, which I think it actually is like probably performs better than the actual daily show. But like the point is that like it actually would just be so dry and it would be so straightforward. And I'm sure I'll bring some humor and commentary and levity to it. But I think that's what Alex really does. He keeps things in perspective. He gives a character and shape to the show. And I think that's like the secret ingredient behind everything. Like to be honest, he produces. Like he's the producer is very important. The producer makes is yes. more important than the co-host in the titles that he has. Like he brings that to the show. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I if, yeah, if it's you know in a basketball analogy, like I, I will score the bucket, but he's the one who's like setting the screen and making the right pass and getting the rebound and pushing the pace. And so, you're not gonna you know. If essentially, if it was just like the Raptor show with just me, it'll just look like the Clippers. You know, they'll be boring as hell and they won't make it to the finals. <laughs> I like the Clippers jab just to finish off the love fest there for uh, Blake and Alex. I always like shouting out people that have had an influence on us. Obviously, those two stand out, but I'm sure there's been many others as well. I'm confident, too, that because uh, Alex used to be my editor over at Raptors HQ, I don't think I would have got this, the job at the score. Uh, unless it was for Alex and the opportunity oh, he gave me as well. Yeah, he, I think I, I think he that. put in a good word or he was one of my contacts. Uh, oh. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't have worked there if it wasn't for him. Hmm. And then we wouldn't have crossed paths. Yeah, exactly. Everything happens for a reason, Will. Mm. Uh, just like you being on my podcast here today. Of course, Will Liu of Sportsnet 590, the fan here with me on the Walder Sportscast. Will, I'm going to admit it. When it mm. comes to, and I listen to all your shows, I listen to all of your post game podcasts uh, for yeah. the Raptors. I will say this I really do enjoy the ones where you're just a bit more disgruntled, a little bit more frustrated, yeah. because right. I feel the passion, like I said earlier, coming through when you do those types of shows. And it seems like that's been the case quite often this season. I know the Tampa year ranks high because of the circumstances surrounding that season, but since there were actual expectations heading into this season, Will, is this one of the more frustrating years you can remember covering the Toronto Raptors and has it been that much more difficult trying to be optimistic about their chances to succeed because of it I think we're just spoiled like I actually upon reflection I think we're just spoiled like and I don't mean spoiled as in like we shouldn't expect a winning product like of course we should expect that like the Raptors were under 500 from December 9th to like this past week so um that's not to say that, like, oh, we're bad people for expecting the Raptors to win or just be over 500. But um, I think where, where that comes from is just, like, like this season was kind of promised to be more than this, right? Like, um, they had a great year last year relative to expectations. And I think that the whole idea of, of um, sports and, and probably a lot of other things is just, like, what you set your expectations at and sort of what actually happens. And the Raptors right. this season is very much like we set our expectations higher. The Raptors set their expectations higher. And the emotional um, work that it's had to take to sort of like rectify yourself be the, uh, with the gap between those two is like the process of the season. In fact, I mean, I feel like that's like most of the React pod anyway. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm the therapist yeah. in, in, in the React pod, and sometimes I'm the patient in the React pod. So, like, it just really depends, you know? Like, and I think that I've been the patient more often this year. But I, I think that, again, like, that really does speak to the idea. That, like, we keep expecting the Raptors to be great, and they're just kind of okay. And they're great sometimes, and they're bad sometimes, but that's what makes you okay, right? So, um, it's left a lot of space for, like, let's break the team apart. But then, of course, a lot of people are, like, it's, that's a very divisive thing, right? People like the players. Ultimately, that's what they're wanting to see here. And, you know, um, so that's led to a lot of discussions. But I wouldn't say it's, like, the, one of the more frustrating seasons. I think if we look at it objectively, I'm like, okay, like, there's a lot of talent here. And even though it's not championship, like, a group of championship talent, I think there's still a lot more talent here, like, as compared to, honestly, even when they were winning, like, much more games in, like, 2015. 15 2016 like I feel like the talent on the team right now is better than that time even though the results are you know far worse and and I'm, maybe that's right. a little confusing too but again this whole pro this whole season has just sort of been like um, rectifying the difference between your expectations and the results I posed this question to Blake on our last show together too because ideally based on their standing now you know, in a perfect world, the Raptors get out of the play-in, they match up with Milwaukee or Boston or whoever, 
maybe sneak a game or two in the first round if they're fortunate and then, you know, ultimately eliminated because I don't think they can beat any one of those quote-unquote powerhouse teams. If Based on how the season has kind of unfolded, Will, if that was the ultimate conclusion, you get to the first round, you, you take maybe one or two games from a Milwaukee or Boston, would that constitute a success for the Toronto Raptors? Or are we at the point right now where this season's kind of essentially a wash, we need to look into the offseason and then moving forward? I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, it, we, we kind of do need to see what it looks like going forward. Like, yeah, I mean, that is the straight ceiling of the team. Like, there's not even, like, last year, for example, we were kind of obviously much more on a high in general because, again, how much have they, 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 they pleasantly surprised us. But, like, you know, you could feel with pretty good confidence that the Raptors will play the Sixers and maybe they won't beat them, but they're going to give them a hard series. And that's ultimately what happened. Like, you know, Philly won the first three. The Raptors made it really tough. In game three, they won games four and five, and, of course, they lost game six. But, like, that was a tough series. Um, and, like, man, I, I just think that, you know, obviously the, there's exactly expectations to go above that. And realistically, I don't think the Raptors have enough time to do that. But, um, you know, I think your assessment of the team is pretty pretty good. And I think that that's really what most people are expecting in the first place. So, um I mean, aside from that, yeah, you, I think there are definitely lots of questions in the offseason. Like, for once, like, you're not really certain about everything. Like, I mean, like, you're right. not even certain, like, if Nick's going to be here, right? Like, you see the reports out there that, you know, Nick might be in trouble. Um, you, you see, you know, all the reports heading into the trade deadline that, like, Fred, OG, Pascal, um, who am I, uh, Gary, like, like, these guys were linked in, in various degrees. Some players more than others, right? But... People were discussed, you know, even Scotty in the offseason was discussed. So, um, yeah, there is that kind of feeling of just sort of unknown while also this feeling of like being dissatisfied. So this whole season, people, I'm just imagining people just like watch the Raptors on their television or in the, in the arena with their, their, their <laughs> arms crossed and just being like, mm, like, can't believe this is what's going on. But, hey, man, it is what it is. Well, speaking of the upcoming summer, a big one. For the Toronto Raptors and I also opened up some questions to uh, some Twitter questions I sent out some feelers on Twitter and one of the questions that I received is from at Jatin underscore 1998 obviously again big summer a lot of key free agents uh, three of which for the Toronto Raptors if you were to prioritize two of the three will so Jakob Pertl Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet who are you kind of putting to the forefront of that list who are you looking to keep above the other uh, I mean, if, I, this is fairly simple to me. I think it's got to be you know, uh, Fred and, and, and Yak. Gary, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's disappointing that he hasn't, like, done that well in his bench role um, since being demoted to the bench for the second time this season. First time, I thought he handled it great and actually did a really great job. Um, second time, he just hasn't been the same. Part of that, it was he was sick on the road trip and whatever, but um, and now he's injured, but... I do want to see more growth from him because I do feel like with Yak coming back in, all of a sudden the Raptors have two ways to attack you. They have the middle pick and roll with Fred and Yak, which works pretty well against teams that have slower foot centers. Um, and, and then you have your Vision 6-9 stuff where you're able to post mismatches, draw double teams, pass, pass, pass with, with Scotty and Fred, uh, Pascal. And then OG is just like fits with either style really, but you know it, it, that's all good. I do want to see where Gary fits in that, right? Like, defensively, he's not as good as any of those five guys. And then offensively, he's good and probably better than some of those other guys, especially with the shooting aspect, but isn't creating enough. And also, like, you know, it just, to me, like, I'm pretty certain of, like, okay, what the five roles of everybody in the starting group is nowadays. And to be honest, part of the frustration of the season was at the start of the year, I wasn't really sure if everyone was in the right roles. Now they feel like they're in the right roles. Except I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what Gary feels most comfortable doing and also what he's most effective at. So right. um, that's probably how I'd go. Do you think Raptors Twitter as a whole this season has been a little bit harsh on Fred Van Vliet specifically? Oh, because can, I yeah. see a lot of people saying maybe it's time to move on from him this summer. Like obviously you in an ideal world you would keep him at the right price. But maybe for this team to take that next step, maybe that does come in a Fred Van Vlietless world. Yeah, which looks like I think that that has to be an option that you explore. But I, under no circumstances are you letting him go and not getting something back. This is not Agreed. just like an addition. My opinion is I don't think this is a addition by subtraction situation. Like this is a if you want to replace him with someone else and you find a way to do it, 
absolutely go ahead if you feel like that's the right choice. But if you just let him walk out the door and you have no point guard and no shooter and no guy who really operates the middle pick and roll that well with Yak, what are you doing, right? So I think most likely he's going to stay. But, I mean, the, the opinion, I mean, look, listen, it is what it is. I think this year I think there's been, uh, man, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I think there's always been, like, that element that really goes into it. And I don't think it's really, like, right or wrong. I'm not really ascribing, like, morality to it. People can just sort of uh, consume sports however they want, generally speaking. Um, but I think there's been more, like, active divisiveness on that in that front where people are sort of in camps. And even when the players play better, people still stick to their camp of sort of, like, am I, am I, is my camp right versus, like, uh, am I reacting to sort of what's going on in the situation and adapting to new games or new scenarios? And that's the part for me where it's just like, well, what is the point? Like, I, I feel like, look, when, when Fred plays bad, we're going to talk about it. When Fred plays well, we're going to talk about it. When Fred plays mid, he's going to be mid. Like, that's just what it is, right? Like, or that's how it should be. But I think that, uh, you know, Fred and also other aspects as well, but, you know, because there's essentially like little factions for everything. Um, People are really stuck to, like, is my faction correct versus, like, is this relevant to the Raptors or is this affecting the Raptors? And that's just, to me, like, personally speaking, not a very enjoyable way to consume sports. Like, I'm not here to, you know, um, I guess I'm not here to, like, do that. That doesn't matter so much right. to me. And, and let's be honest, too. I mean, for a good chunk of the season, especially ahead of the trade deadline, a lot of disgruntled fans on Raptors Twitter were of the belief that maybe this team should have been sellers and they should have maybe tanked, maybe put themselves in that Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. I don't think they were ever yeah, going to sure. be yeah. as bad to be in that scenario with like the Detroits of the world. But at the same time, and this leads me to into my next question here, uh, which is also from Twitter, from at uh, DballBball. Going into this offseason, the Raptors are probably going to be picking in the middle of the first round with their first round pick. What kind of intangibles do you think the Raptors need to be looking for? Should they be looking for another big, a backup point guard? What's the, the ideal pick? You don't have to name names, of course, but like in, in terms of basketball intangibles, what are you looking to draft, Will? Uh, I really wouldn't mind if they drafted somebody who was tall, had ball skills, and could shoot the basketball in that order, or probably maybe in the reverse order, actually. <laughs> so, so can shoot the basketball, can dribble the basketball, and then is tall. Uh, of course, that's very generic, and of course the Raptors will just draft the best player available or whatever. But and I don't think they need to draft for a position. But like I, I would like to see more of an emphasis of drafting players who with existing offensive um, skill sets rather than bringing them in and, like, really working with them to improve their offensive skill sets. Because I understand the idea of it. Like, you know, you can't teach size. Like, it's it's really, like, it's such a simple trope that you've heard over and over and over again. But I think the Raptors really do take it on. Um, and there's definitely wisdom to that. But, I mean, like, you, you also can't teach skill, especially you can't teach skill in, in a timeline that, um, you can't teach skill to someone who doesn't have skill. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter how many years you develop Bismack Biombo, he's going to be Bismack Biombo. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that, like, the Raptors have only drafted those types of guys and or that the Raptors haven't had guys come into their program and improve offensively. The way OG's shooting of late, like, he, he's definitely improved. You know, the way Pascal has improved. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, guys who already have an existing offensive uh, skill set, either in college or in high school or whatever it is, like – I think I would like to see the Raptors place a little bit more value on those skills rather than like the the size aspect. But again, I don't know, man. This is the stuff that like genuinely I don't because unless you're like in these gyms and you're tracking these guys from like 15, 16, and you talk to their families and all this other stuff, like man, the, the Raptors process is quite thorough as you can imagine with any NBA team. Like so, you're more you so know. like avoiding like positions and like the best player, like because I know backup point guard right now is a gaping hole for the Toronto Raptors. If the right backup was uh, was out there in the NBA draft, it would be hard to turn your nose at that. Will uh, personally, yes, but again, I mean, you know, I, I only pretend to be a GM for my job. I, I actually don't have any 
qualifications for this. <laughs> well, that's Bobby Webster's job and Masai Ujiri's job, of course. And again, well, it'll be a very interesting offseason for the Toronto Raptors. Let's get through this season, of course. Obviously, you have the uh, Raptors-Sixers game coming up in a couple of hours. This show is going to be released on the weekend. So uh, everyone listening will know exactly what happened during that game. I don't plan on keeping you too much longer, Will. I know you're a busy man. You did your show earlier. But I do have some fun questions to send you on your way, including a fun reveal uh, for a couple of our friends there on Raptors Twitter. All right, let's go. Let's do it. This is what I was looking forward to, Walter, because I know you're very well prepped with this. Plus, we actually know each other, so. So you and I are part of an exclusive club, Will. It's the Big Head Club. It's the Big Head Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, so, so this question, <laughs> this question comes from Hassal Abdi of Raptors Republic, and he he jokingly asked me this first out of respect to you. He asked me what size hat I wear, and I'm gonna t- I'm actually wearing a Raptors hat right now, so I'm pulling it off. I wear an eight and one eight, so they don't even make them this big here in Canada. I actually have to get these ordered in from the States from a place called hats.com. I go to Lids at the Scarborough Town Center. They do not make them this big will. Yeah, dude, I have to I'm paying like forty bucks for a hat and then another forty for shipping and handling. It's a curse will. Well, so, it's an ex- it's an extra large piece of uh shipping item, so of course it's forty. No, uh <laughs> man, so first off, that's the difference. You have a big head and you wear hats. I just don't wear hats, period. You won't catch me. Unless it's like minus 10, I'm not going to be wearing a toque. I like to keep my hair like in a good form. So I feel like wearing a hat really disrupts that. So I don't like wearing hats for that reason. And mm. also, I just straight up don't wear hats because they don't fit. Like famously, so obviously everyone knows what a snapback is or whatever. I, you know, like I, I take that thing. I snap those peas in the pod. And then I'll either just wear it without any sort of attachment at the bottom, or I will attach like one at the back, and it will barely fit over the head. The thing is, the front of my head is actually bigger. Like it's weird. My my head, if you imagine a three dimensional shape, it's almost like it's not that deep. You know what I mean? Like it's not a box. Mm-hmm. It's it's more like a like an envelope. I, I it's not an envelope. I'm, that's ridiculous. I'm not a cartoon character, but like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's not actually that deep, but the presentation at the front is just so large. So even when I wear hats, the lid of the, like, the brim, I guess, you know, uh, know, whatever the front is called, because, again, I don't wear hats, so I'm not familiar. (laughs) Like, it doesn't cover enough of my head, so it makes it look even more silly when it's just, like, only covering, like, 80% of my forehead. You know what I mean? So, no, man, I mean, if somebody actually made me a hat and sent it to me, and it was, like, an 8.5. And I put that thing on, and that thing is too big. I could put like I could put the hat on, and I could fit like three fingers in between like my forehead and 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 the rim. So like, I think it's not actually that big. But I, what I need from Hats.com, like, do they make extra big like brims? That's what I need. I need like <laughs> I need oh, twenty God, inch yeah. brims. <laughs> They'll make it happen for you, Will. They got sports teams galore really, from eh? all of the major leagues. And look, uh, the only way I was getting a Raptors hat, because I used to go to the Scarborough Town Center a lot back when I lived in the area. And Lids, they were like, we don't make them this big, man. You got to go to the States where people in America, apparently, have much larger heads than Canadians will. Here's the thing. and you, in, in, So that experience, right? That sounds hilarious, right? But when you, <laughs> when you got there and they told you that feedback, were you all like, damn, I'm a monster? <laughs> I felt like such an abnormal human being. Exactly. I'm like, God created me in mysterious ways. I'm not a deep man, but I have a deep head because I have a very long head that doesn't fit in the bowl or whatever yeah, yeah. it's called of the baseball hat. And, you know, and, and of course, you worked with me back in the day. I had a shaved yeah. head. So, like, during yeah, the yeah. summer. Oh, by the way, I've seen, I've seen you grow it back easily. up. Oh, yes, sir. Bro, it's looking good. Thank you, it's man. Looking it's good. Not, it's saw... not everywhere. I got the Nick Nurse uh, bald spot up top, but uh, hey, you know, that's no why I got it. No one sees that from your profile photos. So you don't have to tell anybody this at all. I'm seeing a clean. <laughs> I'm seeing a clean fade, a little bit of a comb over, good shape. You know, hairline's actually very intact. So wait, hold on. Why did you shave your head then? 
I have no, you know what? I'm, t- I'm still trying to tell my wife the same thing because I used to do it out of convenience. I didn't, I didn't like having any hair and I knew growing, growing it out because I was shaving my head so much. I was worried that my hairline wouldn't be good. I was afraid that my hair wouldn't be growing everywhere that it should. So it was more so out of fear. And then I just became like a force of habit. You would go to the washroom, you'd shower, you'd shave your head. Now that I have hair though, I'm like, why did I waste so many good years of like luscious locks when I could have been showing it off to the world, Will? That's what I'm saying, man. Not the smartest Chris Walter decision I've ever had, but uh, yeah, I, I grew right. it out for the wedding. I don't think my wife would have married me if I had a shaved head. So I think it was either get married or lose her, you know, grow my hair out. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty easy trade-off, I must say. That's a good husband right there, man. Salute. Thank you, man. I'm doing, I'm doing my part, man. I'm doing my part. But uh, we also have a question here from at uh, Freya Freya Freya, uh, a, a key member of Raptors Twitter. I see her a lot. She asks, because you had Matt Devlin on the Raptors show recently. He tried mm. his first ever bubble tea, a fun clip which, which circulated online. For someone like myself, Will, who admittedly has never had bubble tea before, which is weird because I know yeah. of a, a few places in Scarborough, what would you recommend for a newbie when it comes to bubble tea? What's the flavor I should be trying first? Okay, uh, get original milk tea because it's the closest to something you've already had, right? Because these things get like, they, they get kind of intimidating in terms of how many options are. Like, I, trust me, like, I'm Asian. I walk into that thing and I'm like, uh, like, what? Like, there's, you're going to put cheese in my tea? Like, what? That doesn't sound like anything that I would want, which is actually quite good, by the way. It's, a, it's like a foamy kind of like uh, cream cheese texture that's actually really delicious. But, um, yeah, like, I would get original milk tea. So it looks like light brown, like it looks like a, you know, like a, you know, your, your favorite ice cap, essentially. Yes, um, sir. And it's just like black tea with some sugar and with tapioca bubbles at the bottom. Now, of course, you can change up whatever toppings, like bubble tea doesn't always have to have bubbles. I actually don't even like the bubbles that much. I, I get like grass jelly more often than I do get the bubbles. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would suggest, first off, don't get 100% sugar. Like when they ask you how much sugar, say 50 <laughs> at most. And it's not like a w- waiter diet thing. It's like a f- flavoring thing. Things damn too damn sweet, man. You need fifty percent sugar at max. Twenty five is actually completely fine, right? Um, whatever, get the ice and everything. But it's it's really just a, a cup of tea more than anything else. So it's not really that intimidating in the first place. Um, and of course, you could try other stuff. Like in the summertime, I like to get like a like a green tea. Usually, it's a little bit more refreshing. I find in the summertime, um, there's also lots of like uh, fruit like flavors that you can get with it. I mean, it's never going to be real fruit. It's just like different powders that they put in there. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And it's like, you know what it is? Like, it's like, it's a cultural thing. Like people just like to go there and hang out. It's like a thing to do, right? It's like the Asian version of like grabbing a coffee for younger people. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just cool. And I see, I see lots of kids doing it. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, I sound like a grandpa loop, right man. now. I've been out of yeah. the loop. Look, I, I missed just go, the, the bubble Just get tea yourself an original milk tea or just uh, whatever milk tea it says. Just get a milk tea, get 50% sugar, and then just, just try it out. It's, it's nice. I'm 50% sugar, Will, with all the ice caps that I've been drinking for the last decade. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for the tip. Is there anywhere I should be going specifically for a good bubble tea? Anywhere in the city that you would recommend? Yeah, I wouldn't go too far out of my way. I mean, I, I think any of the regular chains are pretty good. Like, I mean, again, these are the most simple things in the world to make. I'm sure there are, like, tangible differences for the more discernible um, palate. But mm, for me, I'm like, I mean, Cha Time's perfectly fine. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coco's pretty good. Um, what else? I mean, like, I don't really like real fruit, but they're, they're no longer, like, that popular. I would just go with those two. Like, you'll find those two everywhere. Well, I got to work my way up to the more intricate flavors. I got to start off slow. Per Will would lose yeah. recommendation. And then no, I'll, just don't eventually. don't just dive in with like cheese foam with truffle. And it's like <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a pasta. That's not that's not a tea. That's not a beverage. You know, that's like five years Chris Walder down the road. I have to get in that bubble tea craze. I got to get myself you know one a week, and then we'll start really thinking big uh, with yeah. the bubble tea flavors, buddy. Uh, will in honor of your Will Lou Fitz Instagram handle, which is one of the cooler Instagram handles I've seen out there, and since I love a good Mount Rushmore list. Who okay. is on your Mount Rushmore of the best-dressed Toronto Raptors in franchise history, Will? Oh, wow. Okay. This is funny. I'm actually literally looking at photos of them walking <laughs> out of the four seasons in, uh, How convenient. In, in, in downtown Philadelphia. I remember going there for, for um, press conferences back in the playoffs. <laughs> um, best Four best-dressed Raptors. Okay, obviously Serge. There's just no debate, right? Yeah, of course. Serge's got to be up there. Uh, hmm, Gary? 
Again, there, pretty, pretty straightforward, that one. Um, I appreciated, like, the fact that I just, I don't know, DeMar I thought was just, like, clean. Like, actually, like, I, I for me, I'm not a flashy dresser at all. Like, right now, I'm wearing a blank colored t-shirt and uh, those standard Adidas um, joggers. Now, I, I am coming from the gym, but, like, still, this is probably what I would wear regardless. So, I, I do prefer to sort of keep it more casual or, or, like, clean and simple. But I did find DeMar to be pretty clean, so I'm going to go with DeMar. Um, and then... Uh, one. More. You can almost say Gary Trent Senior now with some of the outfits that no, he's been wearing. Man. I guess that I guess he is technically a Raptor, but no, I mean I didn't see yeah, any of, of his game fits and like <laughs> walking into Skydome back in the day. I mean he's not that old, but uh, huh? One. God, more. We're getting old now, Will. You're you're thirty now. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Uh, you get to that point in life, and you feel a little bit older. But yeah, do you have a fourth Raptor? Anyone currently on the team that you think is you know underrated in the fashion game? Oh, you know who? You know who? That's a obscure one, Damari Carroll, because he put a lot of effort into those. He, he, I just remember Damari Carroll wearing something with frills on it, <laughs> like a, like a little kind of like a cowboy kind of situation. So, Big frills look, guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he was yes frills, not no frills. Uh, Damari <laughs> Carroll. Ooh, I like that. Frills. Yes frills, not no frills. I feel like this, there's no way this is going to reply any sort of responses. Yeah, no, this is, not, this is not how Google works. Okay. All this right, whatever. This is not how Google works. <laughs> Just look up the Mark Carroll League fits. Maybe it could be up there. Oh, he used to wear hats. A, big, a lot of big hats. Yes. Yeah. A lot of hats. Some, some people have it when it comes to hats. They can fit their heads. We're not, we're not that blessed, Will. Some of us have to get <laughs> no. them from uh, the U.S. <laughs> so they can block the sun out. Um, actually, we're also recording this uh, as you Google away there looking for some better Raptors fits. Uh, this is actually one day after the anniversary of that crazy Morris Peterson uh, game-tying buzzer oh, beater against yeah. the Washington Wizards. And uh, I remember a Twitter poll, maybe, I don't know if it was last season or maybe a little bit earlier than that, about, you know, obviously nothing is going to touched the Kawhi Leonard shot when it comes to the craziest shot we've ever seen in Toronto Raptors history. Is it a clear-cut distinction that that Mo Pete shot is number two? Or can you think of another shot that kind of rallies it in that regard? Something else that deserves some love? The wildest shot in Raptors history, Will? Okay, the Mo Pete shot for me is number two. Um, I think it's also just like how much I loved it when I saw it, man. I, got, I was so hyped when it happened. So fun. Uh, it's, I still really helps that Mo is a lefty, too. I don't know. It makes it just look cooler. Because he, he caught it midair, and he was, like, legs were, like, bent, and then he, like, cocked it back. And he had – because he had to throw it farther than he would typically shoot it. Anyway, whatever. It was just an amazing moment. And they won in overtime. Um, I mean, Kyle, right? Kyle against the Heat. Again, the that heat, one yep. is tainted for me because they lost. Yeah. So, him setting up the overtime was amazing from half court, beyond half court. And there is that great image of Dwayne, uh, uh, Dwayne Wade, like, dropping to his knees. Like, he literally fell to his knees. <laughs> that Chef's shot happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, I'm holding that one against it because he didn't get the dub. And then, I mean, does I, the OG a, shot at rally up there like the one in the bubble against Boston? But that's the thing. That's a normal looking shot. I don't know. Like they, uh, th- of course, that one is up there, right? And, and in terms yeah. of importance, like that, that's so cool to me. A playoffs game winner. Um, but I, I also, I'm, I'm very partial to when Serge just like randomly pulled up over Ben Simmons in Game Seven. <laughs> Like, it was like, I don't know what the play was. Like, maybe the play broke down. I mean, there was, it was like a pure struggle fest in game seven. Kawhi took like half the shots in the game. Yup. And then God. everyone else didn't want to shoot. Like, Pascal probably had like 10. Fred wasn't scoring anything in that series. Kyle couldn't score in that series. Danny Green, like, forget it. Like, it was like, we had nobody. And Serge was like, yeah, watch this. And it just like pulled up. Why do you ever see Serge pull up for three? You know what I mean? So... Yeah, yeah. Very him, him pulling up on Ben Simmons' face is, is elite to me. And also, anyone watching the clip of that Morris Peterson shot out there as well, and I said this to Chuck Swarski years ago on my podcast, Karan Butler fouled him. That should have been a four-point play. That should have sent Mo P to the line. We should have won in just mm. regulation. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Go back and watch the play, Will. It's going to blow your mind. Four-point okay. play, but it obviously turned out okay for the Toronto Raptors. And uh, again, lastly, Will, I do end my podcast with a very deep and philosophical question. If social media were gone tomorrow, heck, media in, in general disappears altogether. No more radio, no more Twitter, no more video. What's the one thing that you would want your followers and supporters to most remember you for, Will? I, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean... I guess I will just lose all relevance. I mean, but I, I think for me, <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. But, like, 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just like, just, I don't know, remember that I was a Raptor fan. Like, I think that's more than anything else. <laughs> like, no matter what situation, I'm like, I'm literally in the Rogers building right now. I'm, everyone in here wears a suit. No, 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 wear a suit. But like, everyone in front of the camera wears a suit, and it's pretty serious about the whole thing. And, you know, they're, they're trying to, like, be something or, like, live up to an image. And, like, mm-hmm. wherever I was, I was just myself and a Raptor fan. So... I mean, it's not that memorable, but it, it, it may be within that context, it'll be a little bit more poignant. But no, I mean, listen, if it, if it was all gone tomorrow, I, I'd just become a teacher and, and uh, try to inspire kids, you know? Well, good for you, Will. Again, you're one of a kind, buddy. Again, no one can touch you when it comes to the Raptors game. Your popularity has rose to new heights. And I'm again, I'm so happy to see the amount of support that you and Alex are receiving for the Raptors show. Must listen podcast for my rides home from work. I never miss an episode and I love you for it. It always brings me such joy to hear you guys talk some basketball. Keep it up, man. And again, I thank you so much for doing my podcast today. Before I let you go, though, remind the listeners who are unaware where they can find you on the radio and the web as a whole. Yeah, just search for uh, The Raptor Show with Willu um, and you'll see plenty of results. And listen, if it's weird to you, like just give it a few shows. Like You'll settle in. Like it's, it's, we'll talk about the Raptors, I promise, but it, it will be a little bit weird at times. Just just, write, just stick with us, you know? Quite the pitch uh, to the newbies, Will. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it, buddy. All right, man. And that was my interview with Will Liu, at William underscore Liu on Twitter. I root hard for that guy. Him and Alex. I think they're so incredibly talented and such hard workers, and Will... Always so humble to a fault, but he's accomplished so much, and the man deserves it. I've got a lot of love for Will. He's always been so kind to me, and you never forget that in this crazy competitive landscape that is online sports media. He's been so great to me and such a good friend, and when we have had the chance to talk, and uh, I'm so happy he was able to come back on. He's a very busy guy. We recorded right before the Raptors-Sixers game on Friday, and again, so gracious with his time, and I'll always appreciate that about him. This has been episode 64 of the Walder Sportscast. Please, if you liked what you heard today, leave a rating and review. Help support the program. Download the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and Amazon. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Sports. Even if my checkmark has suddenly disappeared. And even if it is, it can be quite freeing. <laughs> no big deal at all. For now, though, thank you so much for listening and checking out the show. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. <laughs>